Well, good morning to you. I'm so glad that you are in the house of the Lord. Are you glad to be here? His eyes are on the sparrow. And I know that he's watching you. He knows where you are. That's one of my favorite, favorite songs ever. And so I love that song. I almost started getting up here and singing it myself. But I thought I could only do things in G+, and they're singing in D-. I don't know what G+, is, but I'm... You know, I, I know two things with music. I know how to wave my hands, and, uh, and I know how to just make up words while I'm singing because that's my spiritual songs unto the Lord. And so <laughs> I love that. Thank you for allowing me to be gone last week. Steve did an awesome job. Y'all, we're blessed with God's men and women in this house, and he did a fantastic job preaching. And uh, we praise the Lord for him and his ability to be here and fill in and do great work. I was in Brazil last week. I was telling our son-in-law how amazing it is that last Sunday morning I was right outside of Sao Paulo, Brazil, preaching. And then, uh, but before that, for the last three days before I got to Sunday to preach, we were in a leadership conference with pastors in Rio de Janeiro, which is six hours away. So I was teaching Thursday, Friday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday morning. Drove six hours to Sao Paulo to preach. Drove six hours back to Rio. And, uh, and, uh, and then by Monday morning for a few hours, and then we got ready to hit the airport and make our way back. But it's amazing. Last Sunday where I was in Brazil, this Sunday I'm in America. <laughs> so, it's an amazing thing, really. We, we thank God for what He's made available for us. Why well, are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. Amen. I want you to look at the person stand, sitting next to you. I know you're tired of standing, but I, I want you to look at the person sitting next to you and say this to them. I want you to know you're sitting next to someone special. Look at them and say, say, I want you to know you're looking next to somebody special. Yes. Yes. Now, look at them again and say, I want you to know that I believe you're special. Say that to them. Say, I believe that you are Special. Now, the last thing, the last thing, look at them and say, you look better to, no, I'm just kidding. I just got her. All right. Happy Father's Day to you. Happy Grandfather's Day. Glory to God for all the fathers in heaven and all of those that are fathers to be here on earth. And I'm so glad that you are in the house of the Lord. I'm delighted to be back with you, to fellowship with you, and enjoy this moment studying the Word of God with you. A lot to cover today, so I'm going to get right into it. Amen? So turn with me to Acts chapter 16. We're talking about why we sing, why we praise, why we worship. While we sing, while we praise, while we worship. If you want to take some notes, just kind of feel free to take some notes, type it, write it, do whatever you desire. I'm going to start with Acts chapter 16. And he'll begin in verse 25, Acts chapter 16, and I'll begin in verse 25, and then I'll go to Ephesians chapter 5. We've already read that, but I want to read that again, verses 18 and 19. But in Acts chapter 16, do you remember the context? We kind of preached about that from the book of Acts when we were in that series. The apostle Paul was in revival, and there in revival, the Spirit of God is moving, things are shaking, people are being discipled, people are being led to the Lord, and God wants to break into a new territory. So he sends the apostle Paul to Philippi, and there in Philippi, he meets a lady by the name of Lydia. Lydia invites him to her house. There in her house, the Spirit of God gives 
momentum and vision, and a church begins. And that church becomes the center, the sending place for the work of the gospel all throughout Europe. Now the Apostle Paul is preaching, the city being stirred, the gospel is breaking through, darkness is being exposed, light is coming in, and now there is something stirring and moving, the, 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 uh, the, Psycho- the, those that are, that are working with the pagan worship in that area, they get offended. They arrest Paul and Silas. They put him in jail. And in jail, the one thing that Paul does, does what we did this morning. Right before we get to the Word of God, he begins to praise and sing and worship. And God begins to break into that jail. And an earthquake shakes up. And we pick up the story there. And then we're going to talk about what does praise and worship and singing do. Because this is something our churches, I believe, can learn about more so our faith can deepen and we can mature in our walk with the Lord. Listen to Acts chapter 16 and verses 25 and 26. The Bible says at midnight, now most of us will be asleep by now, but here's Paul. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. The prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a, such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken. Uh, that's because of praise. The foundation of the jail were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains came loose. Aren't you glad that God breaks chains? Amen? Aren't you glad that God delivers from bondage? Aren't you glad that praise works and when praise works, freedom comes into the house? Amen? Amen. Now, in Ephesians chapter 5 and verses 18 and 19, we see the command. Now, Paul has experienced it. Paul has inhibited it. Paul is practicing it. And now he gives it as a command to the houses and to the churches that he is given momentum and birth to through the Holy Spirit. In verses 18 and 19, Ephesians 18 and 19, the Bible says, And don't get drunk with wine which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord. Making music with your heart to the Lord. This is something you can do. This is not something you are taught to do. This is something you can do. When you come into fellowship with the Father, the joy of heaven comes into your soul. Music fills your heart. God begins through you to sing and to worship. Through it. God begins to give you the, 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 the language of worship. And you begin to worship Almighty God. Something you do between you and the Father. Now I want to give you a few introductory statements about the power of praise and worship. The power of singing, praise, and worship. Now, these statements that are going to prepare the way for our 15 points. No, I'm just kidding. Are y'all, awa- are y'all all right? Is everybody all right on this side? You okay? You're awake? So, all right. So, here's some preparatory statements for uh, the power of praise and singing and worship. These are important, important statements. And if you want to take some notes, put those down. Worship is where you give value to something. Worship, singing, and praise is where you give value to something, okay? It's an expression of worth. Worship and singing and praise is not just words we utter. You know, worship and praise is not just a song we sing, even though, even though songs brings out the best of us, how we feel, what we're thinking, 
what we're experiencing, songs, they bring out the best of us to give to the best of him. Songs bring out the best of us to give to the best of him. But worship is not just songs. Worship is a lot more than that. It is my heartfelt response as a gift to the Father. Worship is my heartfelt response as a gift to the Father. When I worship Him, I value Him. When I worship Him, I honor Him. When I worship Him, I acknowledge Him. That's worship. So that's the first statement that I want you to put that down. Is that worship is more than just singing. Okay? That's very, very important. Because a lot of people show up to the house of God and that's all they do. They're just singing songs. But worship is more than just singing. Now, here's the question. What do you worship? Everybody worships. Everybody worships. Now, what do you worship? Some people worship themselves. Some people worship their business. Some people worship the money that they've collected. And recognize that God is the giver of life. Worship. Some people worship. You're going to worship something. But what do you worship? We worship. Listen. We worship because worship is a relationship between us and our God. It's in worship where I come into the presence of God and feel that I belong, that I'm accepted, that I belong to Him and I'm accepted Him, accepted in Him. So therefore, I begin to worship Him because I'm in the place of acceptance. All right. So the first statement is this: worship. Worship is more than words of songs. Number two, the second statement that I want you to put, put down is that worship. Worship comes out of a relationship, of a love. Let me rephrase it. Worship comes out of a love relationship between God and us. Worship is a byproduct of a love relationship between God and His children. Listen to this statement. God doesn't ask us to worship. God is asking for worshipers. Can I say it again? God is not seeking worship. God is seeking the worshiper. He says in John 4, 23, I'm looking for worshipers to worship me in spirit and truth. And when God builds a relationship with a worshiper, worship becomes an outflow of a love relationship between the worshiper and their God. Are you with me, somebody? Are y'all okay? All right. So, so remember, God doesn't seek worship. He seeks the worshiper who will offer the worship. Here's a third statement. We don't come to worship to seek something from the hand of God. That means the purest form of worship is not what I expect to get out of it. Same thing with prayer. I don't pray because I'm looking for the benefits of God, even though there's benefits when I pray and there's benefit when I worship. Are you with me? But I come to God with a pure heart before Him. So the statement is that the purest form of worship is not premeditated. I just come because I'm prepared. I come because I love Him. I come and stand before Him. And as I worship, He begins to reveal things to me about Himself, about me, and about what He wants to do in my life. Okay? So three statements I gave you. Number one, worship is more than songs and words we sing. Number two, God seeks worshipers. More than he seeks just the form of worship. 
Because out of that outflow comes worship that honors Almighty God. And number three statement is that the purest form of worship is not premeditated. It's, it happens as a byproduct of our relationship with Almighty God. Let me give you one more statement that I believe would be an encouragement to you. Worship is what you're created for. Worship is what you're created for. Worship and praise is what you'll be doing in heaven for the rest of your life. Worship is what you are created for. And what you're called to do is worship. Listen to Ezekiel chapter 44. I'm going to put it on screen. I'm going to give you the background of it. Verses 15 and 16. You know, God called all of Israel to come into what he called priestly ministry. In Exodus chapter 19, God called the people of Israel to come and be his priest. Now, what do priests do in the tabernacle? They come in to bring an offering and a sacrifice and a worship unto Almighty God. When Moses went up to the mountain in Exodus chapter 19 to receive the law from God, when he did, he was coming down and the people said, we don't want to be close to God. You speak to God. Here's what they were saying. We don't want to be that personable with with Almighty God. What they were doing, rejecting their ministry of priestly worship. And they rejected that personal connection. That's why sometimes people sing, they're here, people are in the pew, and we feel a distance between the song and the heart of man. And God was telling Israel, I want you to come as close as you can to me. I want the whole nation to be my priest. And I want the whole nation to worship me. And I want the whole nation to be in obedience to me. And I want the whole nation to draw close to me. But they rejected their priestly assignment. In the New Testament, it shifted. Because of the blood of Jesus, we've been made free to enter into the presence of God. In the Old Testament, in Isaiah chapter 61, Isaiah said, we shall be the priest of God. In the New Testament, Peter comes in, in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 said, and he said, we are the priesthood of God. Because of the blood of Jesus, you and I now can be his priest and enter into his presence with praise and thanksgiving. Are you with me? Are y'all all all right? So listen to uh, Ezekiel chapter 44 verses 15 and 16. But the Levitical priest descended from Zadok, who kept charge of my sanctuary when the Israelites went astray from me will approach me to serve me. They will stand before me to offer me fat and the blood. This is the declaration of the Lord God. Listen to verse 16. They are the the ones who may enter my sanctuary and approach my table to serve me, and they will keep my mandate. Keep verse 16 up there for just a second. What is this verse all about? There was only one segment of the people of Israel. It's the Zadok people. These are the people that understood the call of God for Israel to worship Him. And they refused to just come to the house of God and do the work. I'm not just going to come in here just to sing a song or collect an offering or or teach a class. I'm going to be the one to connect with the heart of God through praise and worship. So it's possible that people come to the house of God and serve Him, but never connect with His heart. It's very well possible for all of us to be busy about the work of God and never connect with God. And God said, I have a remnant, the Zadok people. They refuse to just serve and and get busy about the work. They're the ones who will come into my presence and worship me. Now, Harpeth, will you be the ones 
to, to begin to walk, to just get into the presence of Almighty God and worship Him because it's a love relationship. It's not songs that we sing. God is seeking worshipers. And when He builds a relationship with a worshiper, worship becomes the outflow of that love relationship where we feel accepted, where we feel belong, feel to, we can be ourselves and express our worship in freedom before Almighty God. Amen? That's praise and worship. Praise and worship is not program, it's not just songs, it's not just impressions. Praise and worship is a byproduct of a maturing relationship with Almighty God. Here's, the, here's what I've heard all of my time. I hear people say, well, well, Pastor, I don't feel like it. Well, Fadi, what if I don't feel like it? You know, it'll be hypocritical of you to ask me to come into the sanctuary and ask me to sing and worship and praise when I don't feel like it. I kind of argue with that. And say it's hypocritical if you only worship God when you feel like it. Can I say it again? It's hypocritical when you only worship God when you only feel like it. Because worship is a choice, it's not a feeling. Are y'all all right? That's the height of hypocrisy. To know that God is the answer and I choose not to worship Him simply because I don't feel like it. I want you to understand something. To understand something. It's easier to act your way into a feeling rather than to feel your way into action. Can I say it again? It's easier to act your way into a feeling rather than to feel your way into action. I don't want to reduce my relationship to God to my limited feelings. Let me say it right, right here, maybe. I, I don't want to reduce, I don't want to reduce my relationship to God to only how I feel. He's an awesome God. He's a big God. And he demands that I look at him as the creator God. And I come into a love relationship with him because he's seeking the worshiper. And that love relationship gives me a place of favor and acceptance. And I begin to flow from my spirit into worship before my God because he's worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be worshiped. And I'm called to worship Psalm chapter 100. Listen to it. This is powerful. Psalm 100 and verses 1 through 5. This is awesome. For the Lord is good and His faithfulness, His faithful love endures forever. His faithfulness through all generations. His faithfulness through all generations. Listen. Why, why my soul are you dejected? Now let's try again. Let's read again. Verses, Psalm 100, verse, Psalm 100 verses 1 through 5. 1 through 5. Let's start from verse 1. And let's begin in verse 1 through 5. And there's three things that I want to highlight for you. Psalm 100 and verses 1 through 5. Let me just read it. You turn your Bibles to it if you can. Right. And I want to show you three important things in here that are very important. As we begin looking into this. The Bible says, let the whole earth shout triumphantly to God. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. And acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Now listen to verses 4 and 5. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. And give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is faithful and is, for the Lord is good and his faithful love endures forever. His faithfulness throughout all generation. There are three words that I want to give you in here. Verse four, he says, you enter with thanksgiving and then with praise and you give thanks to him. There's three words. Praise, thanksgiving, 
and, and, and with his court with pray, praise and thanksgiving you give unto God. So be, be thankful, you give him praise, and you lift up his holy name. When you choose to enter into his presence with thanksgiving, praise will become the form that you offer. Thanksgiving is what you give when he's done something to bless you. Praise is what you do when you see something to behold. And worship is when you offer yourself as an offering unto God. Psalm 100 says there are three things we do as people of God. We give thanksgiving because he's been good to us. We give praise because we behold who he is. When I thank him, I thank him for the provision. When I praise him, I praise him because he's the provider. When I worship him, I worship him because now I'm an offering in the presence of God. I offer all of myself to worship him. Let me give you seven quick things and we'll go through verses in here and we'll be done right on time at one o'clock. Are you ready? No, I'm just kidding. Y'all all right? Number one, write these seven quick things and the scriptures that go with it. The, the, this, here's the benefits of developing a praise and a worship habit in your life. Number one, praising God lifts my spirit. Praising God will lift up your spirit. If I come to the house of God and I'm tired and I'm weighed down and I'm heavy hearted, praise becomes uh, the encourager that lifts me up. Praising God will lift your spirit. It'll become the encouragement that you need in your life. And especially when you praise God in a worship setting, in a corporate setting with other people. Praise with other people will become what lifts you up. It's what encourages your heart. That's why you need to praise Him. We all have something that will weigh us down. And when we come to the house of the Lord, praise will build us up. Psalm 42 Verses 5 and 6. Listen to it. Psalm 42, verses 5 and 6. Why, my soul, are you dejected? Why are you in turmoil? Put your hope in God. For I will still praise Him, my Savior and my God. I am deeply depressed. Therefore, I remember from the land of Jordan. Speaks from Hermon and Mazar. But go back again. Verse 5. Listen to it. Psalm 42 and verse 5. Listen to it. Why are you dejected, my soul? And listen, here's the choice. Put your hope in God, for I'd still praise Him. When I come into the presence of God and begin to praise Him, what is weighing me down will begin to get lifted up, and I begin to experience encouragement into the presence of God. So the first reason of why you and I ought to develop a habit of praise and worship is because praising God will lift my spirit. Let me give you another scripture. Isaiah 61 and verse 3. Listen to it. God is given to us to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, festive oil instead of mourning, and splendid cloth instead of... Let me, and splendid cloth instead of despair. And they will be called the righteous trees planted by the Lord to glorify Him. Another translation, God says, I will give you the all of joy for the morning that you're experiencing. Praise will encourage my spirit when I come into the presence of God. Number two, the second, the second benefit from developing a life of praise and worship, 
Praise help me sense the presence of God. Praise will help me sense the presence of God. God is always present around you. You may say, well, I don't feel him. I don't sense him. But he did say, I never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. He's around us whether we feel him or not. You say, well, I think he's about a million miles away. Friend, he's here. He's closer to you than the words that you speak out of your own mouth. God is with us, and praise and worship will help us sense his presence. You may be tired, you may be weighed down, and you just don't feel like it, but if you begin to praise him, you begin to get in touch with what's around you, not only the believers that are around you, but the presence of Almighty God around you. Because Praise and worship is not a feeling, it's an action that leads us to feel how we feel about our God. Same thing work in every relationship of your life. Uh, people may come and say, well, you know, my marriage is struggling and, and I don't feel like I love my wife or my husband like I used to before. What should I do, Fadi? You need to go do what is right before God and those actions will lead you back into pure feelings for how you used to feel about one another. You with me? The answer, the answer to anything that weighs you down is the godly actions that will build you up. Okay? And that's, that's what praise does. Praise helps me sense the presence of God all around me. Same thing with God. We worship Him not because we just feel like it or don't feel like it. It's an action that leads us to recognize who He is in our lives. It's only, listen, if you want to worship God only when you feel like it, the devil will make sure that you never feel like it. If you only want to worship God when you feel like it, the devil will make sure that you never do feel like it. Let me give you a scripture. Psalm 140 and verse 13. Surely the righteous will praise your name. The upright will live in your presence. Surely the righteous will praise your name and the upright will live in your presence. In other words, because of our righteous relationship with God, praise is automatic for me because that's what brings me into the presence of God. Let me give you another scripture. Psalm 75 and verse 1. Listen to it. We give thanks to you, God. We give thanks to you for your name is near. People tell about your wondrous work. Where is God? He's near. Where is his presence? He's here. <laughs> you with me? So worship and praise allows me to sense the presence of Almighty God. It serves as an encourager and it allows me to feel his nearness. Number three. Here's another reason why we ought to develop a life of praise and worship and thanksgiving. Because praise will enlarge my perception of who God is. Praise will enlarge my perception of who God is. Let me give you a scripture. Psalm 69 and verse 30. I will praise God's name with song and exalt him with thanksgiving. I will praise his name with a song and exalt him with thanksgiving. That word exalt, it means I will make him big. Now, I take a magnifying glass if I want to see something bigger. 
And I look through that magnifying glass and everything becomes kind of exalted before me. It's big before me. It's the same thing with praise and worship and thanksgiving. When I praise his holy name, I see him for who he is. I see him for his greatness. I see him for his bigness. I see him for his capacity. I see him for his glory. I praise him and I worship him and I magnify him. And listen, when you see the glory and the greatness of God, then your problems will become small. If your problems become more magnified, your God will become small. But if, you, if your God is magnified, then your problems will become smaller in the presence of God. You'll start saying something like this. God, I know I'm hurting, but I know you're the healer. God, I know that I'm struggling, but I know you're bigger than my problem. God, I know that I'm, I'm afraid, but I know there's nothing impossible with you. And you'll start seeing your God as a big God, capable God, creator God. God who is willing and available and ready to change my life and change your life because he's an able God. If he's able to save me, he's able to sustain me. If he's able to sustain me, he's able to secure me. If he's able to secure me, he's able to sanctify me and carry me through my problems. When I magnify my God, everything else becomes small in my life. You all right? Psalm 145 and verse 3. Listen to it. Psalm 145. The Lord is great and is highly praised. His greatness is unsearchable. It is impossible for the human mind. It's impossible for the human mind to really put together an understanding of the greatness of Almighty God. He's unsearchable. He's big. He's great. He's awesome. It's impossible for you and I to understand how awesome our brains are not designed to understand the awesomeness and the glory and the bigness of our awesome God. Let me give you number four. Another benefit of developing a praise And a worship habit in our lives. It's because praise reveals, here it is, solutions for things that I cannot come up on my own. Praise gives me solutions for things that I can't come up on my own. This is important. You know, I I cannot tell you. We all have issues that are complex in our lives and things that are hard to resolve. We don't know what we're going to do about it. I cannot tell you how many times I'd come into the presence of God and I'd say, God, I really don't know what to do right here. It could be a relational issue. It could be, it could be something to do with business. It could be something to do with other things in my life. And I just don't know what to do about it. As when I was a pastor, I, I would go before the Lord and say, Lord, we, we've got decisions to make. And I know we've got strategies and plans and all of that. But Lord, what do you want? God, I don't know what to do, how to resolve this conflict between some believers and this. And I cannot tell you how many times I'd go into the presence of God in the sanctuary when nobody's there. And I'm on my face, on my face before God. And I'm praying and seeking the Lord. And the Spirit of God will just speak to me and say, Fadi, here's what I want you to do. And oftentimes, praise and worship, in praise and worship, because of that love relationship, and because he's present, because he encourages, and because he's big and great, he immediately he reveals something to me that I know that's exactly what he wants me to do. In praise and worship, we enter into a place with God where he reveals things to us that otherwise cannot be revealed. That happens in praise and worship. David was was confused in Psalm chapter 73. He was very troubled about what's going on around him. He saw people being favored and he thought, well, I'm not favored. And he saw people living a life. He thought he was a life of peace, but he was not. And he could not understand what life is all about. And then he said in Psalm 73, until... 
I went into the house of God. Listen to Psalm 73 and verses 16 and 17. When I tried to understand all this, it seemed hopeless. Until I entered God's sanctuary, then I understood their destiny. What was David is saying? He said, I could not put things together. I didn't know how to resolve this thing until I went to the place where I normally praise you. I normally worship you. I normally sing and connect with you. And then I understood. That's what praise and worship does. Let me give you number five since I'm speaking fast. Here we are. You all right? Number five. A habit of praise and worship gives us the benefits of God. Gives us the benefits of God. It introduces us to the benefits of God. This is awesome. Because sometimes when you and I are heavy with trouble and problems, when our heart is broken, when things are just completely are weighing us down, watch this now, we become first and foremost imbalanced. When our emotions are troubled, we're imbalanced. Have you ever noticed that oftentimes, even believers that are mature in the faith, when they're facing a serious challenge, they only can focus on the negative things instead of the positive things of God? Even believers, we, we get weighed down and heavy, and what do we do? We start focusing, oh man, this is too bad, this is, this is not good, and, and we begin to focus only, and we become imbalanced, and we forget about the goodness of the Lord. So what does praise and worship do? It balances, balances us out by reminding us of what God has done. This is good. Praise and worship life helps balance me back. Listen to Psalm 103. This is awesome. Psalm 103 verses 1 through 5. My soul bless the Lord and all that is within me bless his holy name. My soul, listen to this. Bless the Lord and do not forget all his benefits. Come on now. All right? Why? He forgives all of your iniquity. He heals all of your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. And he crowns you with faithful love and compassion. Listen. Listen. And then he satisfies you with good things. Your youth is renewed just like an eagle. So what happened when I develop a life of praise and worship and songs? What happens? First of all, it balances me out. Because when I'm weighed down, I have a tendency to be imbalanced. And the psalmist is saying, hey, don't forget. Remind yourself of the benefits of God. And that brings you back to balance. I'm forgiven. I'm going to heaven. Someday there'll be no tears, no crying, no pain. You know, and you begin to recognize that God is with you. He's walking that journey. He's restoring. He's forgiving. He's present. He is the one who finds you battles for you. So first of all, what, what does pray, what does it do? It, it balances me out, number one. And then number two, what it does for me, uh, the one part of the benefits, it reminds me, this is important, of who I am. Part of the benefit is to remember who you are. Because oftentimes, when we're weighed down with trouble, we forget who we are. We not only get imbalanced, we forget who we belong to. <laughs> We forget that we're children of God. We are God's blessed ones. We forget that we belong to Him. And listen to me. We forget our identity. This is important. When you forget your identity, you lose your security. When you forget your identity, you lose your security. When you lose your security, you live in confusion. When you forget your identity, you lose your security. 
You don't know who you are anymore. And now you're confused. Shall I seek him? Shall I seek her? Do I need his help? Do I need her help? Instead of seeking his help. One of his benefits is to balance us back out. The second part of his benefits is to remind us who we are. We're children of the most high God. You with me? So the fifth benefit, the fifth benefit of developing a life of praise and worship is to remember that God puts us back in balance and God reminds us who we are. Let me give you just numbers six and seven and then I'll close very quickly. A development of a life of praise and worship will help us enlist God's protection. You remember the story in Second Chronicles. In Second Chronicles, Israel has been attacked, and Jehoshaphat has three armies to face. And, and this, is, this is an awesome chapter. You want to study that, Second Chronicles chapter 20. Verses 21 and 22, what does Jehoshaphat do? He prays to the Lord, and he, God doesn't say prepare the army and the weaponry. God said, get the choirs and put them in front of the army. You know, you know, the people who stand up here, you know who these people are? These are the choirs of war. They're going right in front of you. The battle belongs to the Lord. The Bible says, Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses 21 and 22, the Bible says, the battle belongs to the Lord. Now, I'm sure the enemy is looking up here and they see a choir leading the war. And the enemy is thinking, what is going on? Now, the people behind the choir, the people of Israel are thinking, what is going on? And I'm positive the choir themselves are looking at God and saying, well, what is going on, God? And here's what God said. When you praise me, when you worship me, when you adore me, I win the battle on your behalf. Are you with me? I will win the battle on your behalf. And let me give you the last one. The last benefit of praising and, and celebrating and worshiping Almighty God because it breaks down chains. Brings us to our scripture that Paul gave us in Acts chapter 16. He's in jail. He's worshiping and praising God. And God sent the earthquake. And what happens? The doors opened up. And people were set free. Let me tell you the great witness that you give in life is not how you explain your prosperity. But how you live out through adversity. The greatest testimony you can give to anybody. It's not how you explain your success. But it's how you handle your stress. It's not explaining how prosperous you are. But explaining what happened when you needed a bigger thing to happen in your life. And not only Paul was set free. Other people were set free. People will be set free when we worship God in spirit and in truth. So let me summarize. Just remember, God is not just looking for worship. He's looking for the worshiper to worship him in spirit and in truth. Because when you worship and praise God, it will lift your spirit. It would encourage your heart. It reminds you of his presence it will give you the benefits of God that balances your life and remind you of who you are. It invites God to protect you and to battle on your behalf. And then invites others to come into their freedom. This has all happened when you sing. Do you bow your head with me, please? Father, we thank you that freedom is found in you. 
And today we thank you for your goodness, your grace. Many of us need to know what it feels like to be part of the family of God. So Lord, guide us, lead us, convict us, encourage us today. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, step one, to come into the presence of the one who will bless you, provide for you, protect you, and above all, forgive you your sins, is to invite him into your life. Father, how can I do that? It's very simple. You do what we all have done and millions and billions have done. You acknowledge that he's here. You pray a prayer like this. God, I know you're here. God, I know you know exactly what's in my heart. I come to you this morning humbly. I am a sinner in need of your forgiveness. God, I need salvation. Come into my heart. Save me. Forgive me. Lord, I pray that you'd give me a new life and a new beginning. And if you prayed this truly from your heart, upon the authority of the word of God, God will respond and save you in Jesus' name.